This episode of Super Pulp Science is brought to you by Time Travel. It's totally possible. All you have to do is record a podcast weeks ago and forget to put it up before the event that it's talking about. And there you go. Now we can travel back in time to the heady days of early June as I, producer Dan, sat down with Gregory, Justin, and Samantha Biko to talk about a little event called a fan quest. Attention, citizens. It's time for Super Pulp Science. Welcome to Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre is made. I'm here with my long-suffering co-host, Gregory Kamichuk. Hello. I've just eaten a carrot, so Justin did the introduction while I finished chewing. <laughs> and the boss, Sam Biko. Hello. We've got <laughs> some good fruit and vegetable foley here for you this week. Yeah, so um, pro tip podcasters, oranges and carrots are no for food snacks to have but on the guess table. what guess who has bowls of two of those things in front of him that would be justin curry you know yeah. what else we have in front of us we have dan vadabonker hello how are you we're doing great we've got you in the hot seat today dan <laughs> this is the seat i always sit in so dan uh in full disclosure dear listeners um was a little uncomfortable with our suggestion of the podcast today but um because he's a man with a big heart he is going to let us come at him Bro. And because Gregory is very good at peer pressure, come on. I just have to bow. I can't give it. I can't. I can't stand up to it. To be fair, I'm not uncomfortable. It's just I. I've been spending, uh, you know, it's like twenty, almost twenty four hours a day thinking about the event coming up, and uh, I just kind of this is a bit of a break for me. <laughs> I come to you, help you guys with the podcast and record it. We get to talk about you guys and your stuff, and you know, so I, I'm, I'm completely comfortable with talking about this. I talk about it all the time. Is it too much? Is what too much? So, dear listeners, Dan is organizing FanQuest, which we've mentioned a number of times leading up to the event. Um, but since this podcast is supposed to be about things that you may also want to do creatively or um, uh, businessily, is that a word? Nope. No. Oh, I'm glad I have my editor here. Yeah, and also What's Dan's a better word than businessily? Like commerce or business wise, business wise, business wise. That assumes wisdom on your part, Dan. Well, wisdom about I'm not wisdom wise about business though. No, that's the worst part of this for me. I hate that stuff. Okay, so let's talk about running a show. You had an idea for a now show. Now that that's been said. Now that that's now that been Dan said. has qualified. Well, no, I, 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 will, I love the event. I love the people coming. All that stuff is great. It's just the the nuts and bolts and the the paying the fees and the booking all the stuff. And the that's logistics. The part. And yeah, that's the stuff that. Um, it's not my favorite thing to do, but it has to be done. You can't have the event without these things, right? right. So I forced myself into those, those, those places to get that stuff done. So you have endeavored to create a fan-centered um, pop culture event yes. here in Winnipeg. This is the second year. Yes. And you are part of a board. You have a board. It's not a board. It's no? just a group. It's just a committee. It's like a, a committee. It's like a, a group of like-minded individuals who all want the same thing. We want to have so a good a event. So a collective or just just a like we're yeah. a Facebook group. That's what we are. right. We essentially Fellowship. we don't really meet very often because it's very difficult to get everybody in the same place. But Facebook, this is one of the benefits of Facebook. It serves as a way for us to to be in touch with each other all the time about anything. So if anything occurs to us, we just talk about it in the group. Yes, you in the corner. Thank you, uh, dear listener. I raised my hand. So that I could jump in here. Um, so running an event of this of this scale, or just like like you said, it's a lot of nuts and bolts and a lot of logistics. Um, can you talk about the origins or inception or the need that you saw in the community to create a fa- uh, an event such as FanQuest? Yeah, I, I, yeah um, why would you do this to yourself, Dan? <laughs> well, I didn't. I, okay, so to be fair, to, you know, full disclosure, I've talked about this on my my podcast uh, in the past when we did launch all of this. I worked with another convention for a year. I was the executive director of another the convention that just kind of happened it was just like a right place right time they were looking for somebody and i came in at the right time and i had the right skills they were looking for so i worked with this other convention and it was it was like the events themselves are awesome and you guys know you guys go all go to these events they're so good uh the people who go uh the fandoms on on display i love it i love all aspects of that uh the organizationally we we didn't uh we didn't agree on a lot of things so i ended up leaving after a year but I still felt the need to 
to do something, to, to want to create an event, to uh, gather fans together to celebrate these things that we love. So that's why I thought, well, let's, let's just do it myself. You know, I don't need to, you know, they don't own the, <laughs> they don't own the process of throwing a con. Anybody can do it, right? Right. Uh, so let's, let's just do it. And that's kind of the biggest takeaway I had from that experience is that I can do this. This is something that, you know. So we've had filmmakers and authors and artists and comic book makers and, you know, all kinds of creative folks on the show. And we always ask them the same thing. Once you are making it, does it change your relationship with it? Yes. Uh, I, I certainly think that is the case for this, the first year where I, um, I, I kind of ran myself ragged. Uh, I don't know if you guys, I know you were there, Greg, and, and I don't know how much you saw of me in that weekend last year. But I was like just very, very stressed and very, very uh, worried about things, and I, I did not enjoy the weekend at right. all. But I did I, see you a number of times, which was to your credit, because it felt like you checked in on everybody. Well, I, yeah, for sure. Right? But, but it was like I was just thinking about other stuff and worrying about other stuff. And it's something so to, to learn from that experience, I'm not going to do that this year. I'm just going to enjoy. The reason I, I put this event together is because I want to go to this event. I want to, to have an event that I'm going to have fun at. And I'm not having fun if I'm worrying about a million things. So it's I'm kind of like write the books you want to read, make the yeah, comics you yeah. want to read, so, uh, make the show you want to go. To. I, I've made like the decision that during I'm not good at the the running around putting out fires kind of thing. That they, I've got a I've got someone who's good at that in my group and in my committee. Uh, I'm going to be mostly in the programming area doing panels and and Q and As and and that kind of stuff because that's what I really enjoy doing and I really have a, a good time with that and I like the audience interaction and that kind of stuff. So that's kind of where I'm going to be most of the weekend. Um, so so hold on. So it sounds like you learned from the first show. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And you found some people to do the job. Yeah. Yeah, we did. I very much learned from that. So uh, it did change my relationship with, with the conventions that I'd been to before. Uh, but now I'm, I'm just kind of hoping to massage that relationship a bit and, and make it better from my, my perspective, from my, my perspective. Right. Yeah. I was kind of curious about something. Um, just especially in the last couple of years, every city has started to have multiple Comic Cons and anime conventions and stuff like that. When you're starting a new convention, is there, I don't know, some kind of over like the the city or some kind of council that says there's too many, like there's four Comic Cons in July all in the same area. We don't want you guys doing this, or you guys are having competing anime conventions like across the street from each other. We don't want that happening. Like, does the city ever? Like the city of Winnipeg? Well, not... Is there a no. license required? Like, no. for the people who are wondering how it all works, like, there's no oversight, right? No, no. no. There's no There's no laws governing this type of an event. So, um, if, if you wanted to compete with another Comic-Con in the city, you could have one the exact same weekend and try to... Yeah, that's not a good idea, though. No. It's just splitting but, yeah, the Yeah, of course. But. You know what I mean? Like, everybody... Actually, Winnipeg is a great convention community, community, and there's many, many people who will come out to everything... And one of the mistakes we made the first year out is we, we um, scheduled our event uh, the weekend after KeyCon, which is a long-running convention. It's like 30-something, what, 35 years or something that's been going. Yeah. And Long time. I did not even think of that. I, I, I looked at the dates. I looked at the other conventions. I knew of KeyCon. I just didn't, I don't know. I just didn't think of it. I missed that detail. And so we had, we had inadvertently scheduled ourselves the weekend after KeyCon, and we got a bit of heat for that. Uh, it was completely unintentional, and uh, I don't know if it affected our attendance at all, but there was some pushback as far as it's too close, right? And right. so we now we've kind of scheduled ours in June, and it's kind of working out. There's a lot in Winnipeg. I would argue, I don't know if you guys could probably confirm this more than I could, more per capita in Winnipeg than any other city in Canada? Does that sound quite a, Well, there are quite a few. There's lots. Of, I don't know, though. Maybe just feel, you know, Winnipeg is like, what, 750,000 yeah. people, give or it's take? It's getting closer to 800 I w- now. So, I so would say, so like I often, when I, I hang out with um, friends from, from other cities like Calgary and Toronto and Vancouver, I often ask them about all the local events that they do because we do quite a few, like every little anime and comic convention that we can get market. to and book market and, like, and craft fairs craft now. fair like we do as much locally as we can and it sounds like most of my other friends in other cities don't and part of it is just because there's there's not as many to choose from so hmm. it does sound like winnipeg has a lot more of those events than 
We can neither confirm nor deny this, yeah, dear listener. We, we bears out further research. <laughs> we need some hard numbers on that, but I, it just feels to me like there's there's almost like it's, there's one every month, mm-hmm. which uh, it seems to me that most people are okay, are okay with. Um, and we have, like, for example, we had last few months. We had in April was the Manitoba Comic Con. Um, May was KeyCon. June is FanQuest. July is Icon. Um, and that's I don't think there's anything in August, but but that seems to be everyone's kind of okay with that. Give yourself about a month buffer between similarly themed events. Mm-hmm. We're certainly not an anime convention by any means, and Icon is the anime convention in Winnipeg. We're not looking to compete with an- Icon. In fact, they have a table at our event. They're going to cross promote their event at our event, and they're great people. We've we've I was at um, Winterfest promoting FanQuest at, at mm-hmm. their other co- convention. Yeah. So we like to work with these with the other group as much as possible because we all are in it for the celebration. I don't understand. You're celebrating? They're celebrating. I'm drinking. Can you talk a little bit about what sets kind of FanQuest apart from all of these things? Like from a market, from a comic festival, from a comic con? Well, uh, we didn't... That was one of the first big fights in our group when we first gathered together was, is this a comic con or is it another kind of con? Mm. I didn't want it to be called a comic con because there's a bit of debate in, in the community about what constitutes a comic convention. Um, I remember, I read a piece recently about even the San Diego Comic Convention, which is the biggest one in the world. You know, uh, there was a long-running comic book seller who's not going this year because his business has just dropped and dropped and as the more the studios take over and it's more about movies and other properties video games and that kind of stuff it's just not as much about the comics so ours there are some comics obviously you guys are going to be there selling your comics there are comics at our convention it is also other fandoms uh, uh, sci-fi fantasy anything that has like a dedicated following uh, of people who love what it is that they're talking about um, is, is something that we celebrate here so what, what sets us apart? Well, one of the things um, we wanted to do, I'm not a huge fan of the autograph system. That yeah, I was hoping you bring that up. This is my favorite thing about what well, you guys I, I, and I, I just I, I saw what was happening at other conventions. The first, my first experience with this was going to probably, I think, I'm thinking this was your first convention, Justin, in 2008. I'm sure it was. Was that at the Victoria Inn? No, 2008 was the first time C4 had moved into the. Oh, okay. So it was the year before. The year before that, um, I went to it was Manitoba Comic Con, and and David Prouse was there, mm. and it was I don't remember how much it was to get in. I didn't have I was a poor student at the time. I didn't have a ton of money, and I was very excited to to meet David Prouse and Nicole. Um, um, sorry. Um, Margot Kidder. I was going to say Nicole Kidman. No, Margot Kidder, who unfortunately recently recently passed away, but she was there as well, and I was excited to meet these people. I had no idea it was going to cost money to get an autograph, right. and uh-huh. I did not budget for that. I had brought no money other than money to get in, and then some money for food or something. And I didn't have any money for, but I didn't feel comfortable going up to David Prose. And there was nobody there. I could have just walked up to him and talked to him. Yeah. But as a new person at the convention, I'd never been here before, I didn't feel comfortable going up and not buying a print or buying a, a, an autograph from him. So I felt that barrier between mm-hmm. myself and David Prowse. And right. it, it was not the force. It was, yeah. it, it was, well, it was kind of like the force, but um, so I, and then it then in a, uh, unre- in kind of a um, twist of fate, I uh, ended up beside him at, at the next urinal in the washroom later on that day. So, so you did meet him. I did not talk to him. No. <laughs> I did not talk to him in that situation. No. But no. I did get to sit, uh, stand beside David Prowse in, in the men's room. <laughs> yeah. And I mean that model of the comic con. That's when you whisper. Once I was but the student. Work. No. Once I was but the student. At the urinal. No, I am the master. And he's just like the. At the urinal, yeah. yeah. Only a master of evil, Darth. Okay, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, sorry. Um, so that model of the Comic Con where you have to pay to get in and then you have to pay to get the autograph, which is usually what gets people to go to these conventions, is become has become even more cost prohibitive since then, like in the intervening ten years since Oh I know, it. and that's and that's what I saw as when I was working at the events, I saw that, you know, you charge people a fee to get in, then they go around and they, they see all these celebrities and the celebrities are a big draw for, mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Um and so then it's you know, it's an, and I think what David Prowse is maybe twenty bucks and now it's like eighty dollars or a hundred dollars for some people. And so I just wanted to take away that barrier between people. I wanted people to meet. I mean, and it, we're, we're still small. We're a lot talking about huge celebrities here, but we're talking about interesting people who contribute to fandoms and start um, and, and have done yeah, something. You have someone who does, who's in the writer's room on Star Wars coming? Kind of, yes. Pablo Hidalgo is in the, he's called the Lucasfilm Story Group. Right. So he's part of the group that kind of oversees all of the Star Wars properties and kind of guides the ship, as it were, and says, okay, well, this is, and he knows what's going to happen like 10 years out. Right. right now for Star Wars. 
and he can't talk about any of it. No. But um, but he is, and he's from Winnipeg too, which is really cool. So he's from here. He's coming back home, and he's been a part of this machine for the last well for almost twenty years now. But in the last five years, as we've had all this stuff happens as Disney bought the company. Uh, he's got some good insight into that. So he's not on camera. He's not a movie star. Right. Although he was in Revenge of the Sith, to be fair. He wore a goofy costume in Revenge of the Sith in the opera house scene. Okay. Um, but uh, if, you, if you pause it, you can just see him walking by. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he's behind the scenes. Another guy who's behind the scenes is Steve Kostansky, who's also from Winnipeg, and he's a filmmaker, and he made such classics as Manborg yeah. and uh, The Void. The Void. The Void, yeah. uh, which are two very good... Like uh, Manborg is one thing. It's like how to make a super low-budget movie, like it was $1,000 or something ridiculous, but it's still make it fun and interesting. The Void is more of a leg- legitimate... It is a legitimate film, uh, very much kind of... Well, both are legitimate films. Right. They're just for different audiences. Yes, exactly. And- uh, the it's, Void is definitely in the category of, like, if you're interested in practical effects at all as yes. an indie filmmaker, you should definitely watch The Void for that. Oh, it's good. And we're, we're screening it if you want to come watch it oh, at Cinematech. Nice segue. Uh, um, and some you've got some DS9 creds. Yes, yes. So, so Nicole DeBoer, who is uh, Esri Dax on DS9, she's our, our one kind of, well, not our one, but she's a, like an, an actor, Canadian actress, who uh, works out of Toronto, does some work in L.A. still. But uh, she was best known as Esri Dax on Deep Space Nine, but she's also in a film called Cube, Cube, Cube which are also screening at Cinematheque. Yeah. And, um, and she's, again, people want to come and meet her. They loved her in that show. They want to come and meet her. We're not going to charge them for autographs. They can walk up to her table, say hi, tell them about how much they love her character or whatever, you know, love her work, and she'll sign something for them, and that's it. So, so there's no cost. Once you pay to get in, there's no extra cost for anything else, so except for your stuff, of course. You right, guys like if they go into the free. vendor stuff, yeah. yeah. They, but you're organizing this. You had to reach out to, you know, how do you broach... Okay, let me preface this. Sam laid out sort of the current economics of con world, right? Yeah. So calling up somebody's agent and saying, we'd like you to come down to the show. We'd like you to also appreciate that we don't want to you to charge for autographs. Uh, must have made for a interesting set of conversations. Yeah, the people definitely pushed back. Like, they're like, "What do you? What do you, you want to do? What now?" Because in reality, the the uh, charging for autograph system is a way for the uh, the con organizers to not have to pay for the the, the talent to come in. Uh, it's called a guarantee, and and I've talked about again talked about this on the podcast, my podcast. So uh, they agree to a, a um, dollar amount uh, that they uh, will guarantee that this person can make. Through autograph sales, if the uh, if the guest celebrity guest makes that amount of money, then the con doesn't have to pay anything. And they if they make more than that amount of money, then great, it's just extra right. stuff. But if they don't, for example, if they may only make half of what they're they're promised, then the con picks up the difference. Either right. way, it's cheaper for the con to to bring in a guest. And this is, I mean, I can see where the system came from because it was a way to get. Uh, uh, bigger celebrities into smaller conventions and have people connect with them, and it doesn't put the convention on the on the hook for the money. Right. But um, but you are taking it from the user experience of like a person that doesn't know a show takes a chance on a show, walks into a show. You don't want them to be blindsided by a another fee. Yeah, exactly. Right? And so that's what I get when I tell people about this. They're like, "Wait a minute, what's the why? Why wouldn't you want?" the the congors to pay for the autographs and i'm like well because we're trying to make it an all-inclusive thing so they do get that um the big pushback i'm getting is that they want to limit they don't want i guess that there's a there's a monetary value associated with these autographs and yeah with and they, they they're concerned about people who will come and bring um you know 10, 10 or 40 things right, right? and here yeah. so we, we are limiting it to one per person and blah blah right. blah but um, and we, we're actually going to keep an eye on how many autographs are signed and and. So one way that it's it's managed in um, or some comic book celebrities manage it because here's a problem that happens if they offer free autographs someone shows up with ten books they autograph them those ten books end up on eBay That's in right. an hour. Yes. So I've been seeing lately um, a, di- a s- little signs on people's things that say personalized, free, right signatures whatever dollar amount. So if it oh. says to Dan, it's free, because on eBay that's worth a lot less, oh, yeah. right? But 
if it's just their signature, then you have to pay it, for it. And, and we're saying that as well. Personalized autograph. Because yeah. it's not really about the autograph. It's about the experience. Right. It's about meeting the person and remembering the experience. And the autograph is, is a memento of that. Yeah. So they can get their, their Esri Dax uh, figures signed by the actors who yeah. portrayed her in the show. And then and then it'll say, yeah, it'll say to Dan from, from Nicole or whatever. Yeah. But it could be a really easy way to politely kind of uh, the psychology will limit it, right? Yes. You won't bring 50 things for someone to sign to you because it it reinforces that you're using up their time. It's like, oh, this is to Dan. And, and the fact Dan. that we're not charging gives us the right to do that. Yeah. Because people were saying, well, I brought $100 here. I should be able to get five autographs because I'm paying for them. Yeah. But we're saying it's free, but we're only asking one item per person personalized that's it mr simpson will now be autographing eight by ten glossies of poochie one per customer please form a line there will be no cutting pardon me look out pardon me excuse me hot soup hi kindly make one out to me and three out to my friend of the same name do you have a politeness police assigned to your show uh well all of our all of our what do you mean? All of our committee members are pretty polite. Yeah. So Will they have truncheons to enforce their politeness? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's yeah. like a polite sheriff's badge. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you could, you could please stop that. My authority. Yeah. And the other thing is we have um, another thing we're calling Guest Quest, but I really want a new name for it because I don't, I'm not loving that. Um, but uh, the idea is that it's a smaller kind of, you know, you can also go to the Q&As, which is in a theater where people can kind of gather and ask questions. But we're also having a, um, kind of a session where you can sit down in a small group of maybe 10 people and like be one-on-one, like, like at this table, like, like we're sitting right here, and talk to the guests in a more intimate setting that, and ask them questions and just talk to them about what it's like to be... And that's not a paid thing either. No, they no, can no, just... that's included. Although but we have to limit... Yeah, it is first come, first serve. We have to limit the amount. So we just have tickets, and you, you show up, get your ticket, and that's it. And, uh, and yeah, we have to kind of limit that. What a so. marvelous... That's great. Uh, but, but Pablo, I've been emailing with Pablo, and he says he's starting to see that other like, other conventions he's been to. So it's not a, a completely unique idea, but I think it's a good one. Yeah. And so we're doing that as well. So there's the, that's kind of the um, the uh, the main thing that sets us apart from other conventions, I would say. Can you hazard a guess at the number of emails and correspondences that were required by you as a result of putting on this show? Uh, I don't delete my emails, so I can look. Actually, I just got a notification saying... I'm at 90% of my email capacity. Uh, <laughs> Due to FanQuest. Yeah. Uh, I don't, it doesn't say how many this emails. This episode of Super Bowl oh, 15, Science I have 1,500 emails in my inbox. So, and, and what I, percentage of those are just FanQuest related? They're all fan. It's all FanQuest. All of it. Because Great. it's FanQuest, my FanQuest email. So. But that includes last year? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I've had the same, same email address since we started. So, so I mean, each of those required a response. Yeah, some of them are spam. Some of them are. You, it's interesting. What what I okay. The one aspect of this that I didn't know anything about was the booking of guests and how to go about approaching people and all that stuff. And um, so I'm like, you know, I had uh, we. Some of us had had contact just through people we met at cons and and that kind of stuff. So we kind of reached out to them. Most established agents are working within the system that we're trying to break free of. So it was a little right. tricky. So we have done some kind of circumventing of that system by approaching people through other contexts. For example, for Pablo Hidalgo, he is a graduate of the program that I teach in, Creative Communications. Right. So he's from Winnipeg. He graduated from that program back in 96. Um, I have his contact through the college, and he came to speak to our students last time he was in Winnipeg, so we had that connection. And I, I mean, I, I also talked to him. I used to talk to him quite a bit on social media. Um, so we just, you know, we kind of know each other. So I just emailed him and said, hey, do you want to come to Winnipeg for this? Right. And that kind of thing. Uh, the, another one of our guests that we haven't mentioned yet is Kevin McDonald, who's, uh, uh, of course, known best for the Kids in the Hall. Kids in the Hall, yeah. Uh, a whole lot of milk. Uh, that's like my favorite sketch <laughs> he's ever done. Um, but he is, uh, you know, obviously Kids in the Hall is the iconic Canadian sketch comedy show. Uh, but he's also done a lot of voice work, and we're trying to celebrate animation as right. part of what we're doing. So he's the voice of Pleakley in the Lilo and Stitch series. Every single time, oh, uh, wow. every single time he's there's been Pleakley in the t- TV show, or even in the the ride. I went on the Stitch ride at Disney World <laughs> wow. two years ago, and his voice is in there. Still him. Wow. Uh, and so he um, he's done that. He's also he was also part of a kind of somewhat short lived 
animated series called Invader Zim, which oh, also has a, yeah, I mean, it's a great good, show. It's a good show. It's yeah. got a very, very dedicated following. Huge so, cult following. Yeah, Zim, yeah. yeah. It's, it's got a cool, very cool art style, I would say, to that to that show. Although he's not, the char- I mean, character he plays, the tallest purple, which is like one of the leaders. These two guys, that the to- they're, they're in charge because they're the tallest Two tallest guys in the planet. Anyway, Zim um, is very short. I understand that. As a tall person, I, I yeah. <laughs> that's an interesting meritocracy I could get behind. <laughs> so anyway, he's or not in this office. <laughs> Greg is the tallest purple. I am the smallest, and I rule everyone. The smallest purple is in charge here. Yeah, uh, he is um, going to come talk about his voice work and what he does as far as voice voice work and that kind of stuff. And I got a hold of him through. Uh, the Cinema Tech, because he does he does uh, these movie screenings every month. He lives here, by the way, and that's what people are kind of what. What they, I mean, he's been here for like a decade, I think. His his partner lives here, and he's been in Winnipeg for a long time. Yeah, so, his uh, partner works in my neighborhood, so oh, I see go. him. Yeah, all on the street all the time. Yeah, so yeah. he and at um, first it was like, oh my gosh, but now it's like, oh yeah, hey, he's just another guy. Yeah, just another guy. So and he's never been to a convention like this before, so he's right. very excited. As this is his first experience. At a convention, and we want to make it a good experience for him. We want that's another part of our, I mean, not that other cons don't do this, but we want everybody to have fun, including the guests. So, because they're fans, they've got to be fans as well, right? Hopefully, they're yeah. doing this kind of work. So, so yeah, that's kind of what we're, we're getting at. I forgot what I was talking about. Sorry. Now, um, I wanted to jump in and say, gee, Dan. Running a con sounds so glamorous and so fiscally rewarding. You must, <laughs> yes. you you must, must be making, just, make, be rolling just around jumping in the because I can't oh, stop man. referencing Ducktales in your pool of gold coins, which somehow denying physics, you you just slide into instead of slamming into and he wipes the sweat off his brow with fifty dollar bills. That's no, right. He's it's currently very doing not, that. Very much non profitable and. I don't want to know how much of my own money I've sunk into this. And you thing. don't draw a salary for this. I do this. not. No, nobody no. does at this no. point. I mean, we—that's the goal—is to get to the point where we can do that. Like we're, we're we are a nonprofit. We're registered as a nonprofit, but uh, it's all volunteer work, and, and uh, you know, it's just because we love doing it. It's like the, you guys have talked about this many times. If you found something you love to do, you just do it regardless. So, so let and me, I, 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 let me tell you this: if you told me ten years ago that I'd be organizing an event. Yeah. I would have said you're crazy because I used to hate that. I still kind of hate it, but <laughs> I, I like the I like the result of it. So I'm yeah. I'm willing to go through the pain of organizing it to to enjoy the result. Mm-hmm. Um, let's fast forward three years. Okay. Right. So it's three years from now. Ah, uh, my favorite interview question. Fan quest. Twenty whatever 20, the math. Twenty twenty one. Yeah. That's that's three plus eight. And that'll be the fifth year of the con. <laughs> fifth year of the con. Five-year anniversary of the con. Guest you hope that you would rank. <laughs> um, programming that you would love to have leveled up to. Or just um, Attendance. Yeah. Yeah, that you... See, uh, it's hard to say. I would love to... I mean, obviously... You won't the, be held to this, but no, I just, I don't know. let's dream together. Like, what's your vision? In this... In, I'd like to be a, a fairly big show. Like, I would love to be in the convention center, although it's, you know, not the best place to have an event in my opinion but I shouldn't say that because they're going to listen to this and not want to book us but there's there are <laughs> limited places in this town where you can book a convention of a certain size and I want mm-hmm. to get to that size of convention so what size is that give me that number uh, 20,000 okay 20, mm-hmm. I don't know if right. we'll be there by year 5 but that is the ultimate kind of being in that ballpark of, of that many people coming out um, and guests I mean oh man I've been surprised at what we could get given our small stature right now. And it, it is a lot about um, building relationships and, and kind of networking with people. And we, we think of ourselves as a networking convention in a way. For example, last year we had um, Patrick Sabongi in. Uh, he's a Canadian actor. He's best known right now as being uh, uh, Captain Singh on The Flash. So he's the police chief who comes in and yells at Barry whenever he screws up something. He's great. He's so good. Yeah, he's great. And he's been on uh, more this season than he was in the previous season, which was great. Because he was on uh, Homeland in the previous year. The year leading up to FanQuest, the first year, he had been on Homeland all season. And then they, when Trump was elected president, they changed direction on Homeland and they kind of wrote his character out a bit. He was, talk- he was talking about that at FanQuest. Yeah. Anyway, we have him in. He had a great experience. Um, he had a lot of fun. It was his first convention as well. And uh, and so then when yeah him and DC Douglas and DC I, Douglas, we all yes. went out for dinner That's after right. and they did have a great experience. Good, I'm glad it. they did. Yeah. Very much glad they did. DC Douglas is a voice actor we brought in, um, and so so what I want is for uh, Patrick Sabongi 
to have it, you know, he has this experience now. And then when we come, it's time for us to try and book Grant Gustin to come to FanQuest. Of course, Grant Gustin is the Flash. Then he goes to the set and says, oh, yeah, they want me to go to this convention called FanQuest. And, and then Pat's like, oh, yeah, I went there. Their first year was really, really great experience. That's and your so, social engineering? Is yeah, that, You just bit. want to have been a good time so people want to come? Yes. And you know, you know Pablo has met Mark Hamill, right? Per, yeah. Pablo Hidalgo has met everybody in Star Wars. So there is a good... Well, yeah, we had Pablo Hidalgo on one year, and then they checked with Pablo and said, "How was your experience with this con?" He says, "It was great." So, so there are like it's like a it's networking within the community of, of booking guests and that kind of stuff as well. So there, I could say Grant Gustin is a guest I'd love to have in three years. Okay. Um, um, what else? So twenty thousand people, some A listers from yeah. or key like key cast members from some fandoms. I, and we we definitely have a focus on Canadian uh, talent and Canadian. Productions and that's the Flash. So Ryan Reynolds will be well, year eight. Year yeah, eight. that's the next level. But uh, but in particular, exact. Actually, I'm watching The Expanse. Have you guys watched The Expanse? Mm-hmm. Yes. So good. And I'm looking at that, going. There's so many good actors on that show that are Canadian. Uh, there's also the, I don't remember his name now, but he, of course I always blank on names. But he's an actor who's in that show, but also in Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. He plays like uh, the taxi driver who then was. Um, uh, was he, he was originally the electrician. Yes, that's right. And then he just just got stuck in the taxi. With Bart, right? And th- yes, and then he kind of is now a part of the organization right. that created right. that. Right, right. Like my good favorite story. character on the, him and Bart, like their yeah, their dynamic is <laughs> yeah, great. their dynamic. And also his character like flip over. Yeah, I really did enjoy that. That was yeah. so good. Anyway, I love to have him on. Uh, and and anybody like that who's worked around Canadian sci-fi and uh, television because there's so much of that that's produced here in Canada. Um, so so going with that, uh, I like you know Grant Gustin would be a part of that. Um, anybody who's part of those those shows. So long-term programming. So one of the things that I like about a, about FanQuest and what I like about uh, uh, When Words Collide, I like shows that have programming where people can come. Uh, you know, a room of a hundred people or so, and you can learn about the process. Learn how the process is. You yeah. know, um, is that? Yeah, on your something, radar? something we we absolutely want to do more of. Um, of course, we have the Q and A's with the with the guests, and they're talking about their craft. We have you guys have all agreed to do stuff for the for the panels, talking about your processes and what you're doing. Part of the theme of this year is like, let's let's get the next generation into this. Let's if anybody's interested in doing this kind of stuff for a living, here's how you can do that. And it's somewhat inspired by this podcast and by, by what you guys are doing here, because um, I've, I've just been a part of it for the last three months, so I've seen everything you guys have been doing. So, what does it look like from your side? What we've been doing? Does it seem more like like has this helped the show aspect? Like seeing. The people who come to shows talk about shows. Yeah, so absolutely. Shows. I learn more and more about shows, about the vendors' side of things, what, what you guys deal with, and, and what you look for in a good show from your experience. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's helped with that a lot. It's part of the reason why I agreed to do this, is to, to learn more about it. You're stealing our secrets. I'm not stealing your secrets. Um, you're you're so giving them away for free. I did want to ask you about the vendor area, now that you've talked about the celebrities, the programming, and the, the, the vendor areas, like the, the trifecta of building, <laughs> is, yes. of building a convention. The one over, over which I have the least amount of control, because you guys right. are going to be... <laughs> yeah, but um, is there a certain amount of curating that goes into selecting vendors uh, not, at the moment? Not this year. We do want to get to that point. That was a, part of the original vision was to curate our vendors. Um, although I will say we did not curate this year, but we still have a very good um, variety of different vendors. We've, mm-hmm. we've always wanted there to be, you know, we don't want a lot of competition happening within that within that marketplace. So we want everybody to have their own space and sell their own products and to not really be... Not as much overlap. We don't don't want somebody selling the exact same thing next to you, like three different comic book vendors or three different video game vendors or whatever. And and, uh, in fact, the majority of our vendors are are artists like yourself, people who create their own things and do not resell other things. We have a handful of toy um, sellers and video game sellers, but spaced so that they're not directly right by each other and also they are selling different things i'm I'm kind of communicating with all of them to make sure okay this person's going to do retro video games what are you going to sell and they're not going to sell retro video games so you can only go to one table to get retro video games in the convention if that's what you want to look for 
that's much more thoughtful than most well, places we it, go. It, it, it's yeah. it's just you know, and I again, this is what I've seen just going to other conventions. I've seen a lot of oh, it seems like there's just a lot of diff- the similar vendors here. Yeah, that's I think when curating goes wrong is the people letting in the stuff that they like, but then it's it all looks the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But what you're talking about, yeah, is like we already have a bunch of this stuff, and your stuff is good, but we already have that quota. Filled, so let's. I'm, yeah. I'm terrified of going to a straight up curating system because yeah. I feel like I'm being a jerk. Like your stuff isn't good enough because we already have somebody selling that kind of stuff. So remember, and, how- we, and we have to like sit there and judge who's got the better stuff or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how we do it. Remember how you said that you didn't like being the person that put out fires during the show, so you found someone who was good at that. <laughs> yes, you can find someone yeah. who is good at you know objectively. Oh, giving man. bad news, but no matter how much you you say you're being objective about it, people will. You yeah. need to find a volunteer doctor, <laughs> okay? Right, yeah. someone who's used to you know. Because if you're saying you need someone who is used to telling you like, "I'm sorry, the arm's got to go," right? <laughs> you need someone who is prepared to give that kind of news to say, "Sorry, um, we have you could too do many what some Conventions do and tell everybody it's a lottery, and then just pick who you want to oh come. Oh my in. goodness, is yeah. that what people do? Uh, it's, it's apocryphally. We can't. Yeah, we can't confirm we, nor deny. But it seems like that's what's. Um, so, <laughs> to jump in here from another perspective, I am on the committee that runs Prairie Comics oh, Festival, yes. which is uh, takes place the first weekend of May. It's three years old, and we have a curating system because of we have a, um, a capacity limit. Um, we're going to be expanding in 2019. However, the thing is that when we quote unquote denied people who applied um it was mostly because they were sending us dropbox links they don't have a website that was really unclear what they were selling and we have a parameter where it's like you need to have a new comic every year and they weren't demonstrating in a clear way that what they were doing would satisfy the our festival and that's all that's all clearly mandate. laid out right yeah, yeah it is yeah. and yeah. that it's a submission process and that we go over portfolios and stuff like that um so th- those are kind of like that's from the perspective of we curate it and those are our those are our criteria and it's not that we're kind of sitting there going well your stuff isn't good enough for my convention it's more um like are are you is what you're actually putting on your table. Like Read the submission deadlines. Yeah, yeah kind of Read, that. But, yeah. Uh, guidelines. I can't remember the craft show, but we were supposed to submit photos of our booths, mm-hmm. right? So oh. one of the ways that they curated is like, okay, yeah, show us what you've got. Show us a picture of your last booth setup. And, you know, I've talked mm-hmm. to people, and you might think, oh, but if I've never done a show before, then I can't do a first show. We saw people, it was their first show, and I asked them, how'd you get over that hurdle? They're like, well, we just set it up in our living room and send them a picture of right, yeah. what we've got. But it shows a preparedness mm-hmm. to arrive It's like, and be are you going to have good branding and like a very clear like backdrop? Do you have like different, is, is your setup professional looking or is it a, a Hillroy binder with some laminated slips in it and that's your whole table? Because I have seen people like that who exhibit at shows and it does diminish the people around them. I agree, I agree. And that's we are definitely looking for that from, from our vendors, people who, who have... I mean, at the same time, we had a number of people come out last year and said that FanQuest was their first convention they'd ever tabled at. And I thought, I loved hearing that. Yeah. And they actually went to the trouble of getting a banner print. They actually went out and did some branding and created their own um, displays and did a great job with it. So I would I love to see that as well. I um, I, you know, there was only a handful of people who really showed up and just kind of popped stuff on a table, which is not what we want, essentially. You know what I mean? Is there a... Um, now I'm asking two showrunners here. Which... It, why... Why? When are we running our show? When are we going to have a show? No, I think we should put our energy into their show. Just <laughs> slowly take because over. Because now that I've heard I'm what is required. I'm sitting here going, why are you adding another thing when you have so many other I things? I don't have one When yet, you I have literally one. hired <laughs> me to do things so that you can do the things you want to do. You don't want to run a convention <laughs> no, or No, but we're going to help you guys by yeah. giving you lots of access to our stuff. I have a question. Is there a way to create... I don't know if you've... When you go to a club and there'll be a little thing that says dress code in effect. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Is there a vendor equivalent to dress code in effect? Yeah, I think, I think you, once we get to a certain point, we can ask that. I, the, the, this year was the year I started thinking about 
Like last year, I was just happy that people bought tables, and and right. we did it through a Kickstarter, which was a different way of doing things. Um, so people could contribute to the Kickstarter, and that got them their table. And that was actually the bulk of the money we made on Kickstarter was from the artists um, pre-booking um, their pre-book- spots. And it was we loved it. We had such great support from the artist community here. And again, when we did it again this year, we announced our tables were for sale, and they all boom sold out in like two days. Right. And I was like, whoa, we didn't expect that at all. And so we thought, well, okay, well now. Um, people are, are wanting to come back. We've kind of we built up our brand a bit, and people are wanting to be a part of our show. Hopefully, everything goes well this year, and people want to come back again. And so, at that point, um, we can I think we can kind of start looking at more criteria for for artist submissions. So, one thing that I always think because we do a lot of shows, and you have to promote the show yourself, right? Like, I'm going to be at this place. I'm going to be doing this kind of stuff. It's just part of it. But I always want a show. I've yet to attend a show that says, "Thank you for you know signing up." Here is a bunch of, um, you know, images that you can post on your social media that help promote the show. Uh, Here's a bunch th- of stuff. Shows do do that. I think you probably just haven't checked your email. That's mm. not true. <laughs> yep. I'm yeah. like, I'm sitting here going like, yep, Prairie Comics does that. Yeah. Well, I, I wasn't at Prairie Comics last year. This so. is, no, again, this is, it was funny you mentioned that because that's my, all my to-do list for today right. when we're done this. And I should have done it last week, to be fair. I've already had a couple of emails saying, hey, because I did promise some of that when I sent out my big email to all the vendors and then I just it lost it in the... Because there's a great set of posters that uh, 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 someone we know. Why do I not think of it? He took all the characters from the original poster. Oh, Nicholas Burns, my uncle. uncle, He did all the posters. Yes. No, he did. Well, he did the the image that we showed. It's the main poster where it's like uh, he took all the characters that are the arms in our logo. He created the logo as well, and he broke out each arm into a a full character. He's got names and backstories for them, but I haven't had a chance to get those from him. See, I want those posters so I can post them around. Well, I will give you all the files. I'm sending that stuff out today, um, including a map of... um, Now, this is another different thing. We're not posting a map with everybody's individual space marked out. I've given those to you guys. You know where you're going to be. But what we're doing is we're going to send out a a map of the overall uh, uh, building and where every section is, and then people can kind of point to, here, I'm in this section, and that's it. We don't want people... I mean, It's not so big that that's prohibited. You need that when you're... A much bigger show. Yeah. Three yeah. years from now, you'll need it. Yeah. But right now. Well, it, yeah. it's and it's just we want people to walk through the entire space, everyone to go through the yeah. entire space. So we're hoping that, you know, oh, we're in this section. Okay, so they'll walk through the entire space looking for your table. But in the process, they'll see a bunch of other stuff that they want to that they may not have known was there. So right. And also you'll have volunteer human beings who will be helping. Yes, because absolutely. Because a map is fine, but people just need to be told. Well, I, I, again, another lesson learned from last year is that not yeah. everybody looks at your website. In fact, many people do not. Um, so all this information was on our website last year, and people still were very, very confused. Um, the space was, it was not as central Last year at the UW, we had the theater that was upstairs, up three flights of escalators, mm-hmm. and that was like nobody knew how to get there, and it was too much to ask. Winnipeg people. is also an extremely last-minute city. People don't plan for things. Oh man, like, I've done lots of events in Winnipeg, and you wonder till the hour before the event if anyone will come. And this is my fear. This is my fear right, right now. And if you have it all You're on the, to, oh, have it all on the website, you can guarantee that seventy percent of the people who made the last-minute decision. Never checked the website. They heard from someone else who was going and then decided to go. That's yes. why you have three contingencies. That's the right. online information, the map available in your brochure, and the human who is like, let me take your hand and lead you into Wonderland. Yes. Because oh. you can't do it yourself. Hey, Warnock, I'm talking to you, man. How can I find Quirvo Jones? What do I look like, a f- tour guide? What terrible, horrible thing that you didn't expect came with running shows have you had to face and overcome as a result of doing this? Terrible, horrible thing. Is it the void? Is it existential dread? (laughs) I I was uh, here. uh, Let me think here. The fact that nothing comes immediately to mind, actually, I think well, it's a good it is, sign. but it's it's something that I should have anticipated and I didn't. Um, it is the financial aspect of it. I um, and this is like full disclosure. Last year we had a Kickstarter. We ran our Kickstarter. Um, it was you know we made the money and I used that money to to get a lot of stuff done. And then I I booked some other things because I figured we'd have even more people come. Right. I overestimated our attendance last year. Right. I thought there'd be. Droves and droves of people out there, and for whatever reason, there wasn't. 
Um, it was fine. It was it was a, a fairly well attended event, but it just wasn't as well attended as I was hoping for, and that was like the source of a lot of my stress uh, um, last year. So that would be the kind of the the end of us. We we ended up not we didn't make any money, but we broke even, and that's good enough. But I was hoping to make money so that we can move forward from that. So that's kind of my, that was the part that that just. Caused me the most stress as far as but that. That's a classic entrepreneur's like. Oh man, yeah, I got problem, so excited. I got right? so excited about the the uh, the Kickstarter being successful, and everyone seemed to be very excited about it. And then just not everybody was able to come out to the mm-hmm. event. Even like the majority of our Kickstarter contributors were not the people who bought their passes through Kickstarter were buying passes to support us, but not necessarily to come to the right. event. Right. And I really want people to come because there's no point mm-hmm. in having an event if a, if an event happens and nobody comes, it doesn't really happen. Right. And I mean, the thing is, what a lot of people think people uh, I mean like convention attendees they think that running a convention is all fun and games and oh you get to book all these celebrities and oh it's just it's really I'm just gonna my train's just gonna pull into the town and then we're just gonna set up this beautiful circus and then we're gonna leave oh yeah so glamorous we say with a lot of sarcasm but it is running a business you have even if it's a not-for-profit business it's still it's, it's still, still a business. business you right? have financials. You have audits. You have um, vendors. You have all of these people who you are financially responsible to, and um, it is it's not just like we're just having a great time. You're having a great time, but there is a lot of stress behind it. Oh yes. And people also romanticize running a business. I'm gonna run my little my little cafe, and I'm gonna have such a great life. And you're putting in a hundred hours a week. I, I uh, and the thing about the hanging out with celebrities thing, I tell you, I barely met, I barely talked to any of our guests last year because I was so busy with other stuff. Um, the the biggest thing for me was last year we had the beer and board games guys in who I love. They're uh, they're a YouTube group, um, also responsible for the the uh, Chad Vader series, which most people know. If you know anything mm-hmm. about Star Wars, it's a fan series. Yeah. And so we did this beer and board games thing at the King's Head, which was a lot of fun. And Patrick Sabalgi was there and he was on the show and it was great. Uh, so I, I, in that moment, I allowed to myself to kind of relax and say, okay, this is this is why I'm doing this. So I had one moment to that and it was back <laughs> into the stress. Right. But I, bar- I barely got to see anybody else. Like it was like so busy for so me. What? I barely, I, I did not get to hobnob with celebrities. And I will probably not. I'll do a little bit. Hopefully, get a little more time this year. Yeah, well, and celebrities are just regular folks. Well, they yeah. are. And, and again, let me ask I you use this word celebrity very loosely because they're not super, super famous. Right. They're well known in their fields for what they do. So I thought that was the last question, but it isn't. Now I hear that you need to be um, uh, doing some self care along the way. Here, I do. So yes. It sounds like. yes. So what have you put in place to ensure that you can? Um, squeeze a little bit more enjoyment out of the event while it's happening. I've decided that um, the moment that those doors open, I'm not going to worry, but there's nothing I can do. Right. The moment that the doors open, the event has started, I, I'm, I'm... It's like a, your wedding day. <laughs> it really is. It, yeah. that's a good, it's going to go yes. by very quickly, so might as well take a bunch of mental snapshots because you've done all of the planning and the worrying, and now you get to wear the big dress. Dan, I got you, yes. Yeah, I you guys get to dress. swan around. I uh, that's so that's that's I'm determined that that is going to be what I do. And if any thoughts creep in that are wor- worrying or anything, if something people things are going to go wrong, it happens at every every event. Something goes wrong. That kind of stuff doesn't doesn't worry me. But I'm just gonna relax and have a good time. And so if you see me looking too stressed, I was going to say. Remind are are you going to be wearing a name tag or a sheriff's badge or anything that people can Should, identify you so they can or a come helmet and, so they can't so identify they can you. come and bring you like <laughs> baking and like like a Flash. like a security blanket? You know that, uh, the, uh, no, isn't it like in the, in World War Two the commanders did not wear their rank on their helmet because they didn't people want to be so snipers yeah. wouldn't take so, them yeah, out. So yeah, so like Tom Hanks, that whole thing in Saving Private Ryan is completely inaccurate because he would not have his symbol on his helmet like that. So I'm not going to do. I'm just going to blend in. I've well, often wondered, grunts. like every time we're at like a, a show and somebody who looks like they're important stops by and you're just, you're trying to figure out, are they, is this an actor? Yeah, never are they like, yeah. do they run this event? Like they don't look like they're here for fun. They look like they're here for work. Yeah, all business. Yeah. 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 Introductions are important and I'm never going to assume that anybody knows who I am. So right. if I need to introduce myself as some part of this convention organizing committee, I will do so. Mm-hmm. The kingly scepter, perhaps you can hold. <laughs> But yes, I think the takeaway here, dear listener, is that conventions are hard work for everyone involved, especially the people who are the wizard behind the curtain, like Dan has been on this podcast and on uh, his convention. And uh, like, just acknowledge that when you're having a good time, that circus did not just pop itself up. That's right. Yeah, it's hard work, but not impossible. And if you're going to, um, if you're in Winnipeg and you're planning to start a competing convention, don't pick what weekend. 
June 23rd and 24th. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> this weekend that, coming up because this podcast will drop that's right. just before. Because that so. one's taken. But there are plenty of other weekends you can. All right. Well, thank you very much. This has been Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made, and particularly today, how conventions get made. Thanks for being our um, surprise guest, Dan. You're welcome. Our hostage. <laughs> um, Send help. Send help. <laughs> Join the fight and make comics.
want me to just do it in my radio announcer voice? Too bad. <laughs>